Aloha. Welcome back to season two of the Aravinda Show, focused on conscious entrepreneurs with me, Andrew Crusoe, your host. So for today's episode, I got to sit down with Drew Morgan, creator of Honeybee, a rather beautiful app that brings together vegetarians and vegans. And it's currently the number one vegan dating app on the app store. We had so much fun with this interview. I learned a lot and I think you're going to love it. Enjoy. Thanks for taking some time and joining me for an interview today, Drew. Thank you, Andrew. It sounds like it's pretty rainy there right now. <laughs> uh, yes, we have the full Hilo Hawaii uh, downpour going on the last couple of days. It's a good time <laughs> to get interviews done, right? <laughs> Very good time. Yeah, there's nothing to do. I, I, I've kind of found out about uh, Honeybee through sort of the organic network that we all live in now. And I just thought that I would bring you in and talk to you about what it's like to create something and grow a business that is actually helping the world and not just focused on profits. I'd love to just talk to you about your journey and how you got to where you are and what your goals are. And where I like to start with people um, is what brought you to Hawaii? Basically, just I wanted to be around more vegan friends and community. Mm -hmm. um, I'm from Southern California, Orange County to be specific. So it sounds kind of crazy to move away from there because that, that's kind of a hotbed being that it's close to LA and there's a lot of vegans there and restaurants and stuff like that. But I wanted to experience like a bigger diversity of food, um, fresher fruits and stuff like that. Um, obviously a lot of vegans like sustain on bananas and stuff. So it doesn't get better than Hawaiian bananas that are locally grown. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and it just, I, I was at a point in my life where I was just laid off from my corporate job and I kind of saw like an amazing adventure and opportunity in front of me and I just couldn't resist jumping in and kind of joining the culture that's already being formed and shown often on YouTube and social media and stuff like that. I wanted to dive right in and see what it was all about. So you saw it as really, um, and, and I see that in a totally different way now. And I lived there for a year and a half and then I moved away and now I'm planning on going back. It's very obvious to me now how, how incredibly conscious people are about what they eat and how they affect the world and affect the land that they live on. And yeah. so you, you saw that as, wow, this is such a great place to, it was mostly the, the, the vegan culture there that was a big draw for you. Yeah, definitely. I kind of had the assumption that there, I knew that a lot of people were growing their food here and I wanted to experience the best that a fresh, um, you know, plant grown food could offer me. And I, I just wanted to be around that more. And it's definitely a great place to be like surrounded by fruit. I mean, I, I mean, as you know, there's so much fruit there that you just don't see anywhere else. You know, yeah. things you haven't even heard of before you... Now, how long have you been on Big Island now, if I can ask? Big Island, I've been here since uh, October of 2016, so about 14, 15 months now. And I came to visit it some, you know, a few months before that for a retreat. Can, can I ask what kind of retreat? Yeah, it was just uh, sort of like a self-love wellness retreat hosted by Evan Rock. A lot of people know who that guy is. He's definitely Yeah, I know so that guy. I know of so. him. <laughs> Yeah, so he 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 was hosting retreats at the time, week long retreats, um, inviting people out to stay on his land, 
you could either tent camp or stay in a little dorm that he has prepared. And they basically cooked for us. They took us around to all the sites around the island. We did a bunch of activities. We did a lot of inner soul searching type of stuff. And we did a lot of, you know, sightseeing and touristy stuff. We would go to the beach and caves and all this cool stuff. And I, I just learned so much about myself and about other new friends and just made friends really quickly and saw it as a place that I wanted to come back to quickly and visit again. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm familiar with Evan and, uh, and his now wife, I think Megan's work through, through Instagram actually is where I see a lot of their stuff. And yeah, I, I didn't realize that they were doing, that they had done, they'd done that even in 2016, we're doing these week long things. So that sounds like it was really inspirational to you to be like, this is such a different, what was that like com- comparing that? I was actually born in California. So I, mm. I've lived there for kind of off and on. What was that contrast like for you to be like, well, there's good things about the culture in SoCal, right? But yeah, definitely. It, it's so different on Hawaii. It's so different. Uh, I tell this to people all the time. You know, a lot of the friends are coming from, not to hate on, I won't name anywhere specific, but they come from places <laughs> that are in the mainland US that are not seen as like the cool hit places to be or, you know, they don't have good weather year round. So sure. coming from Southern California, it does have those things. It's got, you know, beautiful weather. It's got nice sights to see. It is a travel destination for a lot of people. Um, it's got beautiful people. It's, it's got a lot to offer too. Oh, totally. It is definitely a big contrast moving to the big Island because it's a much slower pace. You've got jungle and rain that I don't, I've never seen before in my life. (laughs) And it's just a culture that's very different. And I wanted to take a step back from the the fast paced hustle and bustle of the California lifestyle where, you know, if you don't have a, a nice Mercedes and a big house, um, not that those things, there's anything wrong with those things, but I wanted to take a step back to reorganize and um, recalibrate my own life and my own goals and move towards something else that I had, you know, I was in the process of creating, which, you know, was ultimately my business that we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you and the business and, and everywhere all this is going, I really feel that the Big Island is, it's funny because it's this mixture of what feels like the Wild West. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a way, it's sort of the last Wild West, right? You keep going West and you're in Japan and then it's kind of the East. It's, <laughs> it's like there's, like, Hawaii is so different. But in right. a, I think it feels very, it sounds kind of funny to say because there's there's parts of Hawaii that feel very rural and isolated, but in a lot of ways, Hawaii feels kind of futuristic in, in a mm. way because of how conscious people are about where their utilities are coming from, for one thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, so much of the power is generated on people's houses through solar panels and they're doing rain catchment and they're all shooting UV through their water so they can drink rainwater and it's so much more efficient in a lot mm-hmm. of ways than doing centralized utilities. It feels very forward-looking to me. It's, it's kind of like Avatar, the movie. Like you have the movie. machines and you have the nature together. And that's that's kind of how a lot of Hawaii is becoming, you know, even the super city-like areas on Oahu, you know, with Honolulu, the big tourist areas. Yeah. It's still very much nature all around you, even deep into the city. So, um, and yeah, like you said, the, the average person here is very aware of where the energy comes from, recycling, things like that. I've seen, um, you know, even the kind of the, the punk kids are still more aware than the the punk kid on the mainland about like them <laughs> littering on the ground. Just you just don't really see it. Uh, everybody has a lot more respect for the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, 
what was it like the first time you landed on Hawaii? I mean, what what hit you? It definitely feels different. The air is so clean. What was that like for you? I landed with one of the girls who flew in for the same retreat that I was going to. And so we were both experiencing this together. And we were just were both taken back at how wet the air felt. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. the Hilo airport's like this little tiny airport with no windows around the, the main waiting areas. So it's actually oh, like yeah. an indoor-outdoor airport. Right. Which I've never seen before. Um, and then you go down the escalators to go get your bags and it's you, all you hear is cokey frogs. So, uh, so it was night or yeah, dust. it was nighttime. Yep. So you and landed you in Hilo it. and not, not Kona. Correct. Yeah. Hilo. I've never gone, I've never flown. Actually, no, I have flown out of Kona, but that was to Oahu. Probably. Yeah. Another Island. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Hilo airport too, but, but if you ever have a chance landing in Kona airport, is is a pretty special experience because you're approaching and you just see the when I was landing I was just like there, it's I don't see any green you just see this yeah. field of lava and it's a single landing strip <laughs> yeah it's a cool airport <laughs> it's it's so so tiny and so so unique and it's just open to the air and Hilo's pretty much like that too but Hilo's got a little bit more going on it's a lot sketchier cuz you're landing usually at nighttime if you're coming from the mainland and it's going to be so rainy. So you're just hoping that everything goes well. That's true. Yeah. I don't think I've ever landed in, no, I did land in Hilo one time. So you're vegan. Now, how long are you, have you been vegan and how long were you vegan before you were going, well, there's this place that's sort of, you know, for the lack of a better term, like the Mecca of, of mm-hmm. veganism in some way. There's a, there's few, there's a few Meccas, right? But I do yep. feel that the Big Island is a is a wonderful hotspot for people who want to follow a plant based diet and be really really deliberate about it and have a lot of positive social support. Like as you know, the social support is so huge. Um, Agreed. When you're when you're when you're changing your lifestyle, I mean, I'm guessing you weren't you didn't grow up in a vegan household since so few people do, or maybe you did. No, definitely not. My family was. Uh... It's most of my family is Cuban, so I grew up around the pork eating and all the mm. um, heavy oils and all that stuff. The the health culture, I've talked to my grandparents about it a lot before. Actually, it was a um, a fashion statement in old days of Cuba to be actually overweight. Uh-huh. So people were actually injecting themselves back then with insulin to actually gain weight, so that they could appear that they had more wealth and more health because <gasps> that was seen as the the attractive thing and the healthy thing to be overweight. Cause it was like, you know, you had the abundance basically to be, um, to be fat. <laughs> wow. And so that's, that's the culture that I grew up in. I'll, I'll, almost all of my family, um, besides my direct parents are overweight and, um, that's, it is, it is what it is. That's their choice. And, but definitely none of them are vegan. And I was always kind of the skinny one anyway, but yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to move towards the healthy direction and I definitely didn't, I, I pretty much went from like bodybuilder meat eating diet to vegan overnight pretty much. Really? You, yeah. you didn't even have a, I had a period of a long time where I was, where I was vegetarian and really like I was basically vegetarian for 10 years and it's only been in the last year that I've been like 95 to hundred percent vegan. Um, 
and it's been a very so I it's it's interesting to hear you going really just 180 cutting mm -hmm. everything out cutting I mean I mean what was it like to cut cheese out that was my <laughs> that was mm -hmm. my that was my stumbling block you know even even though I'm sensitive to lactose yeah it was what was that like I mean what what did you miss the most I guess is is a good question well I guess I was so ready to make the switch it's kind of like a cigarette smoker that's um just finally ready to make the switch like they they're almost like disgusted with the habit and they're just ready to make the switch but they're kind of like helpless but then when they finally do it's just it's a complete 180 cold turkey that was kind of my situation because i had actually gotten sick the same year that i went vegan um the year that i turned 28 years old hmm. i got mononucleosis right around the time of my birthday Ooh. which is you know there's different names for it all over the world, but it's the kissing disease. You know, you're sick for a whole month, bedridden pretty much. Yeah. And I felt what it was like to be really, really sick late into my 20s. And yeah. up until that point, I had been relying on my youth and my 20s to kind of like get me out of whatever situation. I was always drinking and partying. Um, I was eating really unhealthy foods like all the meat-based eggs every day, uh, cheese, of course. Mm. and Bacon. Bacon, yeah, everything. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't care because I always had the issue, the problem of trying to gain weight. So it wasn't a, a thing for, it wasn't a thing about weight for me or maintaining uh, my weight. I was always trying to get bigger and stronger and just eat whatever I could to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't like I missed too much because I was already feeling so sick. And actually, the same year too, I, I witnessed my grandfather have a heart attack and it ultimately pass away. So. Oh, no. It was like this whole turning point, and then I got sick myself, and I was just like, you know what? These two incidences in the same year, um, I mm -hmm. had to figure out another way, and then I started hearing about all this vegan stuff. And of course, when you're starting to research veganism on YouTube or whatever, there's like, it's like the silver bullet for everything in your life, you know? <laughs> so I, I I got into it. I was really intrigued by it, and then I'm just kind of one of those people where when I decide to try something, I go all in for at least mm. a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. and Like uh, a 30 day trial. I, I find those work pretty well. Yep. I, I think I, um, agreed to do like a three month or a six month trial. And then as soon as those months came up, I was, it was clear for me that I was feeling a lot better and there was no way I was going to go back at least at that point. I mean, I, I honestly, um, full disclosure, I'm a very transparent person. I haven't felt like I've earned the vegan title until mm. this month. Really? Really? Yeah, because I've been in practice, I've been 95, 97% vegan, but every now and then, you know, like maybe once every week or every other week, I'd have something that would have like whey in it or something, or I'd have right. something that have a little bit of cheese. And I'm like, I feel like I'd feel like a, a sham if I call myself a vegan. Mm. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't call myself a vegan. And then for the beginning of this year, I was like, I'm going to do a 30 day trial of being really really specific about it and not having anything that's not um animal products in my you know no animal products at all that's legit i think that yeah but then you know but then you get rolling on this you get used to this and then it's easy to avoid those other no i'm talking about food i shouldn't eat at all drew i'm talking about like uh, chocolates okay. and stuff <laughs> oh man we have we get such good chocolate here you can get you can get stuff that doesn't have any of that stuff and it tastes good it's not like you're making any compromises either no i know i know i know it's yeah you know, it's the problem this is this is why people don't go vegan the day before christmas so oh, okay, now yeah. the christmas candies are gone <laughs> right 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 do you have that though do you mean do you do people give you stuff in your family you're describing it sounds like you're the only vegan in your family or were for a long time 
Oh yeah. Do you just say, you know what, just just don't give me any food or I mean, how do you find I mean, that was a real big challenge for me when I went vegetarian. I was the only vegetarian in my entire family and I have like 40 cousins. I've really felt like I was a super weirdo, but I wanted to do this for myself, but people gave mm-hmm. me a lot of flack for what they described me as being picky. I'm, what was your experience with that? <laughs> uh, I mean, definitely there's jokes being made and stuff like that, but over time, like they see the results and like mm-hmm. my dad recently has lost 50 pounds. He's Whoa. not hundred percent vegan and he, and he's done this before. Like he's, he's a guy who's capable of cutting back on calories and doing all that, even on a meat based diet. But mm-hmm. this was even easier and faster and more enjoyable for him. And he's mm-hmm. more satisfied in the end. Like he just discovered quinoa like six months ago. So <laughs> he's like, he's the picky eater and he's actually expanding new into new foods because of this whole vegan thing. So for him, it's not really going into the vegan world. Wasn't really, uh, cutting back. It was actually like getting new foods and new flavors for him. So it's kind of the opposite. Cause he was already the picky eater. I, I was never really a picky eater, but, um, yeah. So that's beautiful. I I'm, I'm like so stoked for your dad, like discovering quinoa, man. I wish my yeah, parents discovered, were discovered. He's quinoa. like, <laughs> he wants it like it with every meal. My mom, cause my mom just cooks everything for him. And yeah, it's like, it's, 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 it's a joke around the house that he's <laughs> like, he's like partial vegan now. And he's like real proud of it. You know, during Christmas time, he was saying that, you know, he's like, Oh, I can't believe your mom's cooking that poison for everybody and saying, saying stuff like that. I was just cracking up because Oh you know, man, he's the one who was making the jokes all along about, you know, eating lettuce and rabbit food and all this stuff. And then now he's like all proud because he got the good results. So you just show people the results and they're just, they're into it, you know? I guess uh, that is totally true. And thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> excited for you. I'm 50 pounds. I mean, that's something you're really proud of. Um, yeah. I guess the challenge with me is very few people in my family are actually obese. Mm-hmm. So they don't see, they don't think there's a problem. Yeah. You know, and like, how do you approach that? I mean, I, I tried to educate them. I say, you know, well, instance of heart disease, obviously, you know, yeah. how acidic your body is, but I guess I have a pretty stubborn family. Well, like I said, and like I said earlier, my grandfather passed away from a heart attack and he was one of the skinniest guys in the family. Oh yeah. So he, you know, he was a Cuban guy. He had been eating all the meat stuff his whole life along with everybody else. It just was in his genetics or in his, um, metabolism, maybe not to gain as much weight as some of the other people, but he was eating the same foods. He's just probably a little more active. He, he gardened, um, you know, he did stuff more active than like an average 75 year old guy. He was still like real handy around the house and always running errands and stuff like that. That's great. So, but, but even all that, I mean, that couldn't stop the, that couldn't stop the heart attack. And he had like, I Mm. think three three ventricles were completely shut down. You know, they, his body, they couldn't even do surgery on him to do the trip to the bypass because he needed a triple bypass and he was already kind of on death's bed. And you're talking about a guy who was no more than 170 pounds, five foot 10. You know, he was still relatively lean. He wasn't even, he was still in the normal range of weight. You know, yeah. he wasn't even close to fat or wow. obese or anything like that. And it was just, it was just plaque. It was just, just plaque, plaque in the arteries. Yep. Damn. And, uh, you know, to be fair, they said that, they said that uh, they felt that it was from his cigarette smoking, but mm. he he stopped smoking cigarettes over 25 years ago. Yeah. So you know, I'm mm. I'm less inclined to believe that it was the cigarettes from 25 years ago, 
than the food that he's been eating for the whole 75 years of his life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially, like, you know that if he had reduced that, the chances are that that would start to clear up. I mean, when it would start, start to clear up. Yeah, I mean, once you start to alkalize your body a little bit, <laughs> your body can heal itself. You have to give it what it needs. You alkalize, you you give it the plant fibers, you give it the less cholesterol so it stops adding the plaque to begin with, and yes. your body just naturally cleans itself out. And we have these like blatant scientific studies at this point that are showing the results of this that can't really be disputed. They can be um, repeated over and over and over. So mm. why there's there should be no argument. There really is no argument anymore, in my opinion, and like what I'm understanding. No, I, I agree. But it, but food is so personal. I mean, uh, food is like religion to people. I've I've observed anyway. It's it's challenging for people to who haven't been exposed to it before. Go what I can't eat this and this and this. But this is what my my parents made for me, and it was healthy, and that's how we grew up. And yeah. tradition is tough to break. But I think as people become more aware and more conscious about it, it becomes part of the awareness that we're surrounded with and it becomes easier for people to change their habits. I mean, you know, if, if habits were easy to change, everybody would be Superman and Superwoman. Yeah, they wouldn't have started on the bad stuff to begin with. Yeah, but it is possible. Well, believe it or not, this is not a, a vegan podcast. It's, it's a growth-oriented entrepreneur podcast, but I find it fascinating how often veganism comes up um, mm. among people who are oriented towards personal growth. Mm. It obviously doesn't always come up, but it, I'm, I'm really pleasantly surprised because the more you look into it, uh, the more you see how big of an impact it makes, You know how much water it saves, how much better it is for your body. <laughs> and then you get yeah. the animal cruelty aspects to it. I mean, I recommend everybody who is interested in veganism look up a, a film, and I'm sure you've seen this, uh, or one of these. Two films are wonderful, Food Incorporated, Food Inc., and Forks Over Knives. Have you seen I have that? seen Forks Over Knives, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's in, when, you, when you see just the reality of the science behind being vegan and the reality of how meat is processed it's a real eye-opener <laughs> mm -hmm. and i show that to people and they go whoa i didn't realize there was so much filler and you know chicken nuggets are are mostly corn it's, it's very strange mm. it's very strange yep <laughs> so so you're you come to big island and mm -hmm. you go on this week-long retreat and it's transformative it's it, it, it did, did that give you the idea to hey i could was that one of the big seeds of Hey, I could stay here. I could make this work because you got that taste the first time. Yeah, I I wanted to come to see more so than the retreat, more so than my interest in the retreat was I wanted to see if people were doing this stuff for real. Meaning I wanted to see if people were really living off the land, really being vegan 24-7, 100% of the time. Because that, that's kind of like what I was doing. And I was interested to see how other people were doing it. And I wanted to see how healthy and athletic they were firsthand. I wanted to look into their eyes and see, you know, is it really working? Yeah. Is it really working for these people? Because I was still relatively new into my journey on that. And I just hadn't really met too many other people that were, um, doing it full time. And so I just kind of wanted to get into that brainstorming aspect and, 
you know, see what stuff was working for other people and all that. So it, it definitely gave me that perspective as soon as I got here. And for sure, I was like, once I got the taste of that and I saw how everybody was sort of um, there to help each other in terms of their health journeys and everybody, th the conversations that come up are stuff that I'm actually interested. In. What do you know? You know, we're talking about digestion and health and topics that my friends back in my other communities or what, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call mm -hmm. it, were just simply not interested in. And I was always the odd one out yet. Now I come here and it's like the normal topic to discuss, you know, how you, <laughs> how you uh, lost yeah. weight or how your physical performance is doing or whatever. Uh, were you <laughs> just, you're just reminding me of, of the fact that I, I was like the only person in my friend group who read the ingredients to everything. I don't know if you're that person, uh, but once you start to get more aware of like, you know, what? okay, so, so we know now that food is the most efficient pathway to health mm -hmm. and exercise, obviously, but the food is such a mess because if you're giving your body toxins, mm -hmm. you're burdening it and it com comes down to chemistry, right? Mm -hmm. So I would just read the ingredients of everything. Were you the ingredient reading guy? Or was it, is it mostly just you were diving into these books and going, wow, this is just, the research is amazing and, and the results. I'm also curious, like, how, if YouTube played a factor in this, because I find that so many people, you know, find someone they like on YouTube and, and it becomes almost like a virtual mentor. In a mm -hmm. way. Well, I think I became the weird guy when I decided to go quote unquote fruitarian. You went fruitarian. Well, this was right, you know, this was right in the beginning of my thing. I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go vegan. And then I said, okay, well, what's the best version of veganism? And I said, oh, fruitarianism. Whoa, this is, <laughs> this has got to be the best thing. And then, so I just it's went pretty straight hardcore. that. <laughs> what's that? It's pretty hardcore. It's, it's very hardcore. And so I tried that for a couple of days and then I just went back to eating cooked vegan food and I was very satisfied with the progress and results of that. But definitely, um, I've used YouTube as a mentor for many subjects and topics. I find that you can get a pretty high level of knowledge if you know what to filter out and what to allow into your mind. Um, when you're watching these, these YouTube videos, like you gotta, you gotta read the comments. You gotta see, you gotta get a feel for what these people are talking about. If there's a lot of controversy around somebody, then maybe where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe you don't want to be following those people's advice, but there's, other people who, who do seem to have really good advice and you do have to use your street smarts about it. But if you weed through the, um, the, the BS, then you can get some good, good stuff out of it. So this is a perfect segue to something else I was curious about. Mm -hmm. You, you go to the big Island and you see, like we were talking about how the land is much more deliberately used and I'm guessing you were learning a lot about, you know, also eating locally in addition to eating vegan. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, like, how what what eating locally and sustainability means to you now that you're on Hawaii compared to before. I, I, that was something that I was really shocked how much I learned that I didn't anticipate I would learn so much. That's a good question. Um, in California, we have droughts like 24 seven in Southern California. So yeah, you're yeah. always being monitored about every little drop of water that you can use. And you see the contrast there versus here where everybody's using the rain system to their advantage for basically free water. They're, you know, they're taking showers with it. They're even, like you said, using the UV to turn it into drinking water. 
And uh, it just seems like such a smarter system. And yet over there, we're pumping water into the deserts of Southern California from Northern California. Yeah. That's just <laughs> basically going, getting it's evaporating overnight. And um, now you have situations there where the federal government is giving grants to people. They're paying people to take out their grass lawns to put in AstroTurf and rock gardens because they realize they paying people now. That's amazing. Right. You're getting big tax breaks. So you're essentially getting paid to change your front yard into a, a right. water eating grass to right. a rock garden that doesn't use, yeah. <laughs> doesn't use water. Xenoscape, you know? right? Is that what they call it? I'm not sure, but I've had a lot of people looking into it. Right. Yeah. In the, in the form of tax breaks, I mean, it basically is, yeah, it's basically being paid by the federal government. And I think mm -hmm. that's the future. You have to look at where are you really? Like, <laughs> does, does, what, what, what kind of place was this a hundred years ago before there were that many people here? And yeah. it's funny how things scale pretty well when there's only 10,000 people. And mm -hmm. then sometimes a system just kind of breaks when you pass 2 million people or, or a half million people even. And that's something that we're being forced to think about more and more as human population grows and there's more demands on water and waste management. It's crazy. It's crazy. So it's, it's, it's kind of encouraging to hear that at least they're getting real incentives to stop watering their lawns. I mean, I remember when I lived in California, it broke my heart to see these lawns being watered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like, why? what are you doing? And you can only water on certain days of the week, so everybody's lawn is dying anyways. So it's the the front yards are looking terrible. Everything looks like it's just this dried up brown grass and dirt patches, basically. And yeah, so it, it became an issue. Water is getting more expensive there, and you've got everybody just fighting for the same small source of uh, resources. Well, that's a good segue to another thing I was curious about was, do you have any advice for our listeners, um, besides don't have a lawn in the desert mm -hmm. on how to, on how to be more sustainable. Um, yeah, I, th I think it kind of starts with your, I thought about this a little bit earlier. It kind of starts with your personal belongings first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So just try to minimize your inflow of things. I'm not saying to be what's now the hot topic online is to be a minimalist, mm -hmm. but minimize your inflow and it will naturally minimize your outflow of waste products. Hmm. You know, do you need a bunch of pairs of shoes that you'll never wear? Um, and then even more practically speaking, are you composting your fruits and vegetables like your, the waste products from those things? Mm -hmm. Because that's a big thing that we do here in Hawaii. We, we have buckets. We have our own like system basically that we have empty buckets. All of us in this house eat fruit and vegetables and we throw them away in these um, compost buckets and then we take them to either friends farms or um, worst case scenario, we take it to the dump and we put it in with the rest of the composting, which then gets recycled back into the earth. So when you make the connection that uh, the fruit and vegetables that are growing the land require nutrients to grow and taste their best, you start to realize that you got to put that stuff back into the earth. And it, to me, it feels like the least I can do for the environment. I really like that idea of just looking at the inflow and the outflow. You know, I, I actually do describe myself as a minimalist. I was using that word before it got all popular, but it's mm -hmm. true. You don't even need to be a minimalist. You just need to look at what you actually need and where your waste is going and what mm -hmm. you're bringing in. I think, I think people would benefit a lot. Even just jotting down a short list and going, well, 
You know, is there a way I can do this a little bit more intelligently? Even if you can do it 10% more intelligently over the course of a year, that's a pretty big impact. Yeah, take it. Take take every advantage that you can get, even if it's 1%. Do do whatever you can and just I just recommend that as a general rule of life to take the advantages that you can, you know, that aren't going to compromise you. And mm-hmm. like I said, composting your vegetables, it's not like it's going to completely uh, hamper your your week. So just do these small things and it has a big payoff. It can also be a lot of fun. I mean, you, you go, wow, we have like, like soil and stuff from from what we thought was trash and now we can plant our own food and, you know, even, even something in terms of like sharing with your neighborhood, sometimes neighborhoods will have a shared compost system like you were talking about. Yeah. It's amazing how this stuff works. I, I, I'm not a farmer by any means, but I planted some Tongan spinach, which grows locally here in the backyard really well. Mm. And it didn't grow for four months. It stayed about two feet tall, the exact same. And then one day I decided to take some compost, fresh compost that we had laying around I put it on there. I come back like two weeks later because I didn't even look at it. And then now it's almost twice as tall. So just instantly grew because of the nutrients and the the freshness that I brought to it. And you you don't even have to be a farmer to really feel that. It's just something ingrained in us where we you plant something and you go, wow, I'm I I nurtured this thing and now it's going to help me. And it's this symbiotic relationship. So you're not a farmer. This is a good pivot to where is your focus right now? And it sounds like a big part of your focus is this like popular new dating app that I keep hearing about that's rapidly, rapidly growing. I think it's called Honeybee. Is that, that was your idea? That is 100% my idea. I can take credit for that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It, It is. It is definitely a big focus of mine. That's, that's something that I work on throughout the day, every single day. There's no, there's no days off really when you have your own fledgling business. So, so could you describe for the audience, what exactly is Honeybee? Honeybee is a vegan and vegetarian dating app, similar to other large dating apps that are out there on the, uh, app stores, you know, for iPhones and Android phones. Uh, now this is only for iPhone, but, uh, we will be moving it to that platform eventually. But yeah, it's basically to get vegans and vegetarians together. And I noticed that there was just kind of a, a void in that in that area for this community. And you meet you see online like there's a lot of memes going around the internet. Like you'll see the skeleton guy sitting on the bench waiting for my vegan boyfriend or waiting for my <laughs> vegan girlfriend. <laughs> I've seen that one. Yeah, it's like, well, then uh, let's do something about that. And everybody else has a dating app. You know, they've got niche dating apps for nearly every single little thing that you can think of. So why not this? And it seems to me that the majority of the time, vegans and vegetarians want to date each other. Definitely. Definitely. uh, I just felt like I would want to use this app myself. So let's make it. So what was your process of, you have the idea, Mm -hmm. what did you reach out? Do you write code yourself or are you more of a designer or are you just, I am more, yeah, I'm more of a, of a business all around business, um, bring people together to make something happen type of guy. And in this particular case, I had the vision for it and I also had the funding for it. Luckily, um, it's kind of an idea that I created around the middle of 2015, uh, about a year after going vegan. And, you know, I just started noticing those little things like vegans wanting to get together and stuff like that. And, uh, nothing like it was out there. So I started just doing the initial research 
online. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, I have a, a marketing business background. So I had some kind of tools to research it and uh, some experience just selling products in the past for other companies. So um, I knew it was going to be a long road to get started on this thing, but mm. uh, it's kind of a crazy story. I, in the in the beginning, I had a partner who was involved. Uh, he wasn't vegan, but he wanted to help me out. He was going to write the code. He wanted to split everything with me 50-50, uh, but he eventually actually tried to steal the idea from me completely. <gasps> yeah. No. Uh-huh, yep. So this whole thing, the, the whole way has been um, bumps and more bumps, but wow. it's not something that I was willing to, to stop. But so that guy, um, yeah, he, he started actually creating his own parallel website and platform without me after like six months of going through negotiations with him and, um, trying to get it all started. So, um, you know, it was a hurtful experience. I was pretty devastated. I almost gave up on, on doing the whole thing. Um, and then a week after that, I was laid off from my full-time position at work. Wow. And uh, so it was like the, a terrible week for me. I, it was kind of a, a wake-up call. All in the and same also, week? Same week. Same week. The, <sighs> oh, the guy basically says, I don't need you for your own idea. Goodbye. And then I got laid off from my job that I'd been working at for over four years and was very comfortable at that point. I was working from home. I, it, was a, it was a good position for me. Nice. Um, to be vegan and do that whole transition. But I was already kind of getting through, uh, you know, I wasn't a newbie vegan anymore. I was mm -hmm. starting to just try and build a business or do, or move on to the next project type of thing. Um, so what did you do? <laughs> well, once, once I was cut from his, uh, his project, then I realized that I just had to rely on myself to get this thing started. And I reached out to some developers that wanted to, that, had a product that could help me do this. And, um, I got the negotiations going with them. Um, that was like in late January, let's say of, uh, 20, 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Late, late January, 2016. And then that, that next month is when I went to go to Evan's retreat and in Hawaii. Oh boy. And I had, you know, I had all these negotiations set up, ready to go with my team it was just, they said, okay, you know, let us, let us know when you want to pull the trigger on this thing. And so I went kind of as a, a mental relief to this retreat. I wanted to talk to Evan. I know he's a successful business guy in his own right, in his own field. Also with conscious businesses, he's made um, video videos on that before too, on YouTube. Oh, you should shoot me a link to that. I don't know if I've seen this yet. He's actually on my list to interview eventually. <laughs> yeah. He's a really good guy to talk to. So I, I needed that, like, uh, almost that reassurance or somebody else who is experienced in this field that wanted to, or that, that could say, that's a good idea. Go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish you the best of luck. Like I just, I felt like I needed that last little push. Sure. Um, and then I came home and then I got started on it the next day. Basically I, I made my down payment for the products that I needed and they started to work for me pretty much immediately. And the rest is, uh, it's history. Wow. It sounds like you can really clearly connect the dots looking backward now. It sounds yeah. like what you learned in your in your corporate job really has applied to this. That's that's wonderful to hear. I mean, the app itself. I'm looking at the app right now, and it's it's very it's very well done. It's nice. Thank it's, you. It's uh, I mean, having a design background myself, it's 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 quite clear, and it's it looks 
excellent. I mean, I don't know. How, I, I don't know how I would change it myself. Yeah, I'm not a designer. I'm not a, a coder. I'm not any one of these things, but I'm the guy right in the middle. And I know enough of how I want it to look. I know enough about um, these things where I can I can speak the language to the coders, you know, and I can get everybody together to make something like that happen. And I've always wanted a product that I could sell myself that was going to be something that I was, you know, proud of and that was a good quality item. I wasn't just in, in the business to make something that could make money. Um, in fact, when I got this whole thing started, I, I genuinely figured I could spend thousands and thousands of dollars on this thing and spend a bunch of time and it may never pay off at all. And in, even if that happened, I was okay with it. And, um, so that, that passion project is what allowed me to continue this far, I guess. So, so are you saying you didn't have to go to investors? You completely self-funded this? Yeah. At this point right now, I'm 100% self-funded, self 100% owned by myself. Um, the business is under Honeybee LLC. Yeah. That must be a great feeling because you don't have other interests trying to push you in a different direction. Yep. They, if you get investors involved, then they're of course going to have their own, uh, opinions on it. And then they're also going to, when it comes to tech software, they're going to get involved for way too cheap. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and the reality is you can create something amazing for not as much as people think if you're resourceful and you're also willing to put in a lot of work yourself. And I had nothing but time. Like I said, I was laid off. So it was kind of like a do it yourself situation Hmm. where I was also spending a lot of my own time and hours, um, just being resourceful and getting a lot of these components together, like the, the designs and the artwork and all this stuff. Yeah. I think people don't realize how much work goes into creating an app that brings people together. I mean, you have to have the design, you have to have code that works Mm-hmm. And you have to have a back end where you've got servers providing the service so that the app works and connects people together. Yeah, you need so much stuff. And just just even the process of getting something into the iPhone app store, it's not an easy process. There's so many hoops to jump through. And luckily, I had a good team that could pull it off from start to finish, of course, with a lot of my own input. But um, yeah, now I've got a product I can show people. I can show an investor and say, hey, look what I've already got. And now it's a totally different conversation than saying, hey, I'm thinking about this idea. Uh, do you want to get involved? And then it's like, a, you know, they're going to want to get involved for pennies on the dollar, whereas now it's a different story. Yeah, you actually have a product that works. I mean, I, I can't believe it. Right now I'm in Wisconsin, which is like not the best place for finding vegan people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the cheese state. I mean, yep. There are there are vegans here, thank goodness, but it's not nearly as common per capita as mm. Hawaii. And even so, there are some people I'm I've logged in uh, and I'm looking at the app right now. And even so, there are some people around. They're a little bit far away, but it's it's surprising, you know. For this app is still relatively young, and you're competing with some big services. Yeah, definitely. So I. How do you, I mean, I guess I give you a lot of credit for having the faith in your idea to, mm-hmm. to go after it. And I see that it's growing and growing all the time. Uh, how are you reaching people, if I can ask? We are primarily, um, primarily marketing through social media mm. and uh, just creating a community around the Instagram has been what I've been focused on recently. 
um, making sure to interact with the people who happen to like your photos, follow your Instagram. This is actually a Gary V concept. If, if people are familiar with Love him. Gary V. Yeah. So he says social media has to be social. You have to actually be social with your audience. You can't just post pictures with cute, com- cute captions. You also have to interact with them. And that's, uh, something that I have no problem doing. So mm-hmm. I do spend, you know, a couple hours a day writing people comments, leaving comments, just being active. And, um, of course there's the route of Facebook marketing. You can pay for boosting ads through Instagram, Facebook. You can pay for ads on iPhone app store, which up until this point, I've spent very, very, very little on marketing. So for the growth that we have right now, um, per dollar, it's, it's actually paying off really well. And also some other things happened along the way. Like there was some competitors that um, we're going head to head with me in the app store. There's actually a guy who started a vegan and vegetarian dating app the exact same month that I launched mine. Wow. Like there was nobody for years and then all of a sudden, boom, you've got two competitors and then it turned to three and four and five wow. competitors. And, um, it's just one of those things you got to stick around. You got to keep, you got to keep focusing on making a good product. Mm-hmm. You got to keep focusing on doing things the right way, following the rules. And here I am now at the top of the list on the iPhone app store. If you were to type in vegan dating, boom, honeybee is number one. And how did you get, how did you pull that off? Just by sheer downloads and getting, and, you know, encouraging people to leave reviews of the app. Yeah. Everything I could do. I, I went on some Facebook forums in the very beginning, uh, just, you know, shooting it out to 5,000 people at a time on these like vegan singles pages and saying, Hey, I've got this app that I've created. You know, of course I talked to the moderators and made sure that that was okay. But, uh, I, I started kind of like self advertising saying, this is what's going on, you know, and, and running promotions for people, making there's some, some incentive to get in there. I'll give you free credits so that you could play around with this and, you know, use these special features that normally cost money and then just giving things away again, having faith that things would eventually start steamrolling and, you know, when I came to Hawaii, I had less than 300 users on the app and it had been out for like five or six months. And really? now I can say that, you know, we're, we're basically 10 X that now. So, and it's growing every month exponentially, which is just amazing. Hey, congratulations, man. Yeah. Thank you. Isn't it amazing how it starts to snowball? You really see this geometric growth when you can consistently provide a good service, but it has to be reliable and it has to be consistently good has to be because you know the app game there's so many other options you have to be solid all around i'm looking at the results for vegan dating on the app store right now just because i feel like our listeners would be curious (laughs) and um you have very high ratings and some of these other apps have one star two stars average what's going on and there's there's actually apps that were there that were competing with me head to head. But like I said, they're, they're not there anymore. So who knows what happened with them? We don't <laughs> need to name names on the competition, but it, it's a game of sticking around mm-hmm. sustainability. Can you be sustainable? That applies to the business model as well. Very true. Very true. I also like your, your design. How did you get to the icon of a, of a bee? I'm curious how you came to that. It's it's a very striking, eye-catching design. Sweet. Yeah, thank you. I, I actually created the name Honeybee the exact way that it's spelt. Um, like, first one of the first things. I just, in my mind, I had the, I wanted something kind of catchy and cute. 
and uh, there's a few different names, but I also wanted it to have sort of a meaning behind it. Of course, the way that I spelt it is H U N N Y. So it's kind of like, Hey honey, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of a endearing term that people use and they typically spell it that way. Mm-hmm. And then also it's just, what do bees do? They, they pollinate. So I, I wanted that sort of playful sexual innuendo, if you will, in the name of the app. Um, you know, people pollinate each other and I wanted the vegans to pollinate. So that's kind of how <laughs> I put the two together. And, and then that icon, I just got really lucky. I found it through a stock icon site. This guy had this amazing design with awesome handwriting, which was all created by this guy in, uh, I think, Bulgaria. Wow. And I contacted him directly and uh, we made a deal and I purchased that from him. And then I used that for the, the design, the main logo. I really like the logo and I'm very picky about logos. When I saw it, it was the one that was it. It was the one and it had to be that. And I've made a lot of logos. So oh. it's, it definitely, it's definitely one of the strongest identity designs that I could see in here. Awesome. Thank so you. So you're advertising via Facebook. You also have a lot of organic things on Instagram that are happening and it's, it's starting to, are you, are you targeting people via Facebook ads as well? In terms of you can get very, very, very specific mm-hmm. in Facebook ads, but you have to be very careful because it can also chew through your money very quickly if you're not careful. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, you know, the very interesting thing about dating apps specifically on Facebook is, and nobody knows this, but Facebook for years up until about six months ago had an all out ban on advertising via Facebook with dating apps. Really? So, you, yeah, so you can ima- they actually had a form that you must fill out specifically for dating apps. Um, and you would you fill out this form, you input it to the to their business team, and they would either approve you or they would deny you. So for the last two or three years, I heard that they were not denying or they were not um, accepting any new dating apps to the the platform to advertise. Uh, people were calling all kinds of conspiracies on this, why it's happening, you know, the big guys paid them off or whatever. But mm-hmm. you can imagine, that was the way that I planned to advertise my app before I ever created it. Sure. And then all of a sudden now I'm stuck here with a, a brand new baby app and I can't even advertise the one way that's possible for me to even afford in, in the first place. Cause face, like you said, you can get very specific. So mm-hmm. your money goes the furthest if you're the smartest with your targeting. Exactly. And, uh, I have actually successfully ran Facebook ads since they removed the ban about six months ago and it, it's it's actually very effective. The ads are, they do very, very well. Um, I'm sure they do. I mean, if you know someone's vegan, you can center right in. Because there's certain keywords that vegans will look for that, mm-hmm. and, and vegetarians too, that people who aren't vegan or vegetarian won't really come across. So you can get, it's amazing if Facebook knows too much about you. That's the short version. That's the short version of it. <laughs> Yeah, because we give it to them. We tell them our likes and dislikes and every single thing about us, whether we're single, whether we're in a relationship. And it's a, yeah. an amazing marketing tool. It's That's why the company's worth billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the most accessible ad platform. And that's rolled in with Instagram now, too. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact area. So if you haven't already make an ad and you can get, yeah, I want this on Instagram, too. And it's basically like a checkbox the last time I did it. Yep. That's awesome. That's what I'm doing now, too. So... This segues perfectly to my next question, which is, I guess you do use social media daily. How do you find balance in your daily routine 
with social media. It's become such a big part of everyone's lives now. I'm always curious to ask people how they find balance and how they know if they're spending too much time or not enough time. <laughs> it's just like the the veganism and the health and all this stuff that you know the group of friends here talk about. We have talked about recently how much we actually using our phones and our social media platforms and if that's like affecting our day to day. And there's actually apps out there that will track how much you use your phone. And I think the average is something like four hours a day on your mobile device. So it's something yeah. crazy, like the average person actually picks up their phone and looks at the screen something like a hundred times a day, I want to say some something crazy like that. It sounds about right. <laughs> so <laughs> for a lot of people. Yeah. And for me, I use it, you know, for personal and business, of course. And it's so integral to any modern business that it can't, it can't not be used. You must use it in my opinion. Um, but I find balance by unfollowing people who are not directly kind of contributing to my growth as a human being. Amen to that. You know, if I don't know them personally, then I'm not going to add them or follow them. And th that's the only control that we really have. We can manage our feed so that, uh, we don't lose our sanity, just like getting lost in other people's lives that we don't even know or really care about. And then, you know, so, um, I just, I see a lot of what people share online as kind of useless sometimes and I'll yeah. either unfollow them or unfollow their posts and it's not anything personal. It's just that that's the, that's the one thing I can control. So out of sight, out of mind. And mm -hmm. I recommend people to sort of like do yourself the favor and just, if you don't have a specific reason to be following somebody, then cut the cord. I agree completely. It really yeah. does a lot of good to do some house cleaning every now and then. And I can tell you're a really focused guy and that's why you've been able to <laughs> accomplish. The focus is not my forte. That's the thing is that I have to, I'm, I'm utilizing these little tricks along the way mm -hmm. to help myself be focused because I know people that are just exceptionally well focused naturally and they have trouble like making friends or, you know, these other types of uh, things that other people might find easy. And so if you're somebody like me who actually doesn't have natural focus, I have to mm. employ these tactics to get myself to be focused, you know. But it sounds like you've gotten a lot better over time. Like it's a value to you. So you yes. use in those tactics to triage and get more clear. Do you have any advice for people who would want to start their own, uh, I, I was going to joke around and say vegan dating app, terrible joke. Um, <laughs> people want to start yeah. their, <laughs> say, don't. let me know if you find that. He'll guy. find you. Uh, <laughs> no, really there's, there's, uh, what I was going to say was to start their own conscious business. You know, it sounds like you've obviously been through a lot of different stages to reach this point. You know, you've changed your life around to, see how much better you feel being vegan. And now you've created an app where vegans and vegetarians meet each other. And I mean, did you ever think you would be here like five, 10 years ago? No way. I mean, I, I always knew I wanted my own business, but I never thought it would be something like this. I never thought I'd be vegan. I, I was definitely the guy who made fun of vegans and all that stuff because I was just kind of in the meathead gym world. Everything was about just getting bigger and stronger and all this stuff. And just really kind of typical lowbrow behavior. But once I transitioned to that, I was like, oh, actually the joke was on me, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, I would prefer to feel good now and find other people who care about that <laughs> because it's hard to 
it's hard to interact with people that just have don't care at all about uh, their health and don't realize how much that plays a role in the rest of their lives. But I guess to answer your question about um, advice for people starting conscious businesses, I probably have a few things. Number one would be to be in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never know when you're going to catch your break. And the only way to catch your break is to physically be there. You have to still physically be there and be ready to stick around even when things aren't growing as fast as you want them to. And that happened for me about uh, six months ago when one of my biggest competitors just all of a sudden one day disappeared from the app store. And, you know, he was number one. I was number two. We were actually swapping positions back and forth for several months. And, um, one day is just, he was gone. I, I think he may have violated some terms of service. I, I can't really say, but, mm. um, like I said, do things the right way and you will be rewarded for it in the end. But again, sometimes that takes a while for that to flush out. Um, another thing I would say is just ask yourself what else you could be doing to, to make your thing better. Mm-hmm. If you are creating an app, uh, or I'm sorry, not creating an app, but creating a business, what else could you be doing to either start that business or what else could you be doing to make your business better and then find the areas that need the most attention and then create a plan for it and execute it. Um, also another thing I would say is don't be afraid to take the first step and to start it alone. As Mm -hmm. I said in my story, you know, I, I had to start it alone. I thought I had this great partnership going on, but if I would have just stopped there, then I would have had nothing now. And I'm so glad looking back, two years ago that I did start because now I actually have something and it's, it's just paying off more and more over time, which is really awesome. And just to realize that, you know, no business is going to go from uh, an idea to success overnight. So there's a hundred or a thousand small steps in between and to remember progress over perfection. So mm-hmm. take that step, keep it moving and you will just keep growing naturally. You don't, and you don't really know how that's going to happen. You might not even be able to foresee how the growth is going to happen, but if you keep putting in the consistent effort, mm-hmm. then you'll see the results and you will grow into that, that person. That's just the way it is. It's kind of like you're moving forward with the blindfold on, but mm-hmm. you're still moving forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It reminds me uh, of something that uh, one of my favorite writers used to say. He used to say all the time that you, Steve Pavlina, you might have heard of him. Steve is a really big inspiration to me, uh, for, has been for a long time. And Steve Pavlina used to say, you have to create the value, but you have to deliver the value too. Mm. And if you're just creating all the time, people might not know you exist. So you have to make sure you're connecting with people at the same time. And when I balance, definitely, definitely. And thank you for that answer, by the way, that's, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. Um, and I have one more, if you don't mind. Oh, go ahead, please. Uh, this applied directly to me when I got here is when I got here, I was so burnt out actually on creating this thing. Like I didn't even tell, I wasn't even talking to people about it. Did you feel like it was almost like a failure because it hadn't caught on more? Yeah. I, I thought there would be like thousands of people running to this thing and then Mm -hmm. there wasn't. (laughs) I know that feeling well. Yeah. (laughs) And I made the thing. Why? Where are the thousands of people? If you build it, they will come and then they don't come. You're like, well, that's not true. You know, we've all watched the field of dreams. Like exactly the the, the guys in it, that one guy, you know, he's always right. (laughs) And you know, if you, if you're unmotivated then, and you need to take a break, then do it. You can always come back to where you left off, but don't just like, don't just thrash the project because You, you don't have to throw a flaming chair through the window and burn the house down. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just, you know, if you allow yourself to become re-inspired and re-motivated and come back again, and you will be better and stronger and also maybe find partnerships that will help you maybe shore up your own weaknesses. Um, if, if you're finding it a struggle to do certain things then bring people in and, and be willing to be willing to give back and, and pay for that mm -hmm. help, you know, pay it forward. Yeah, exactly. And be proud that you're giving somebody else the opportunity to get involved in something that you've put your time and effort and creativity into you're, you're now giving that you have something to actually give people and then allow them to maybe change their, their lives in the future as you move forward with your business. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> That's so true. Was that, was that part of your thought about coming to Hawaii is that you were going to kind of recharge and perhaps even network with people that would help you move forward? Yes. I absolutely had the secret intention of networking with vegans, especially influential vegans. No, no reason but, to keep it secret. I mean, yeah, vegans want to hang out with vegans. Like we need True. to stick together, right? I agree. Yeah. And trade recipes, but also change the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> literally, literally change the world. Agreed. So what was your last point? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I think that was or did pretty I, much it. That, okay. Okay. Yeah. That was beautiful, Drew. I love, I love how you articulated that. Um, so how do you see sustainable businesses sort of evolving and changing in the future? And I mean, obviously it's like a requirement to be on social media now, especially if you have an app, especially if it's something even remotely related to the internet. But even if it's not, even if it's a brick and mortar business, mm -hmm. I'm just curious as you've gotten into this community more, I'm sure you know a lot of business owners, um, some of which will probably be on this show in the future. And I'm wondering how you see that changing over time, if you've noticed any patterns or just any thoughts around that. I think that really companies are starting to realize you can't just go the cheapest route anymore to create a product. Mm -hmm. So you've got more educated consumers and the consumer is actually willing to pay a little bit more these days for a product. If it means that, you know, some poor factory worker across the world is being, won't be paid a slave wage. So mm -hmm. the almighty rule of profits or profit margin over everything is uh, the consumer isn't willing to accept that anymore. They are actually kind of like fighting back with the, uh, the companies and demanding a more, a more wholesome, a more sustainable product. So the companies are reflecting that demand and you see this with veganism all the time, like companies such as beyond meat, let's say, who's creating a, a brand new technological beef that um, people are going crazy over because there's a different demand because the demand stems from sustainability and mm -hmm. health and all these other things. And uh, to my knowledge, they're it's relatively affordable. It's not like these people are charging, um, you know, diamond prices for these foods that people want. They're, they're making it available and accessible for most people, I think. Just in terms of like meat substitutes, you mean? Yeah, just that's just one example. Meat substitutes, just vegan restaurant chains and and stuff like that. I heard some stat the other day. I don't know if this is accurate, but it was like one of those little Facebook tickers, and it said mm -hmm. uh, demand for vegan and vegetarian foods rose a thousand percent in twenty seventeen. No way. Yeah. So that's awesome. That, and and according to my research, vegans and vegetarians grew from 
a total of 1% of the population in 2010 to 5% in 2015. So 5% growth in five years, which is kind of like exponential. It's 5X in five years, right? Exactly. That's right. That's insane. (laughs) So you've got uh, more people just being conscious and aware. And then, like I said, they're just not, they're not willing to let companies get away with murder anymore. They're not willing to let the companies rip the consumer off and also rip their suppliers off. There's got to be some, uh, they're they're closing up that gap in the middle. So I'm not sure if that answers the question, but... um, No, I think it answers it fine. I think it's it's amazing how, on one level, when you go to certain places, it feels like the world hasn't changed very much. mm -hmm. But when you go to other places it feels like a different decade sometimes yeah and that's the strangest thing i think about the 21st century to me is how different places can feel so separate even in in the midst of the internet yeah it's very tempting to fall into the trap of thinking we're in some kind of monoculture right in some way but we're not the challenge is that we're all in our own bubbles and we think we're in a monoculture. Yeah. It's, there's definitely nuances to every single area, even within the United States, you can see that there's just different parts of the U S that have completely different vibes from each other and businesses in each area require completely different practices and culture from cultural practices to just standard business practices. There's all kinds of stuff. A business has to evolve and adapt in order to survive no matter, no matter what era it's in. Can I ask you an off the wall question that you didn't know I was going to ask you? Sure. I'm ready. (laughs) Have you, have you ever considered doing a YouTube advertisement that was funny or collaborating with other vegans on the big Island? That was just something along the lines of, not a vlog, but something that was very, you know, funny and collaborated with other people in the vegan, vegosphere, which is a word I've just made up. Because when I, (laughs) it's really funny. I lived on Hawaii for uh, a year and a half and Mm -hmm. I had no idea how many vegans there were. I knew that there were a lot of vegans around me, but it was really mm-hmm. interesting. I left and I kind of missed Hawaii and was started watching stuff on YouTube. And I was like, oh my goodness, I had mm-hmm. no idea how rapidly growing this is, especially on Hawaii. It's huge. Like there's some local businesses here that uh, sell boxes of bananas, let's say. And mm-hmm. over the last five years, some of my friends have been buying bananas there every week they can't buy bananas anymore because there's so many vegans here that are just blown off the shelves. <laughs> and these people are like, there's like no loyalty, you know, they're, they're not, they're just selling first come first served and all the local businesses are loving it who are farmers and stuff like that. Cause you've oh got my goodness. people are so passionate about buying mass quantities of fruit and vegetables and they're willing to pay for it. And you've got these exotic fruits like durian and stuff like that that people are paying whatever, six, $8 a pound for. Yep. And of course, you know, that these people are, these people are totally, totally loving it. But I forgot the question once again, all of a sudden it's banana wars. I was just asking you if you've considered doing something, Oh, you know, on YouTube that sort of, I mean, I'm sure you have things on YouTube about the app, but 
I'm curious to what extent you've networked with the YouTube community there. Well, I personally live with uh, Megan Elizabeth, who's been on YouTube for Oh, years. I didn't know you lived with her. I actually have an yeah. interview scheduled with her next month. Nice. I think <laughs> I mentioned that to her today, and she she did say something about that. Um, it's a small so world. It's a very small world. <laughs> and and I um, we've done a, quite a few videos, actually, with just a group of friends, um, all vegans, just like either taste test videos with weird wacky foods oh yeah i saw the one where you uh yeah <laughs> i've seen some pretty funny ones i, I was yeah. i was just curious if you've found a way to i mean this is something that i struggle with drew so maybe you can i'd love to hear your thoughts on this a way to promote the thing that you're building right uh-huh in a way that feels in the flow okay gotcha and, and not self-promotion-y does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah to make something that's a win-win-win. I'm curious how you approach that. The thing that everybody says is just create the value, like create value. So whatever, whatever you're wanting to promote, mm-hmm. maybe create something around it that has value to a wider audience of people and it can bring people in. And I guess like I'll use a specific example. Please. Is uh, everybody not everybody, but a lot of people on social media, they like watching these little 30 second ads that people create with cool music. And there's like little editing going on. And you've got like these, this text popping up on the screen that says, you know, veganism improved by a thousand percent in 2017. And then maybe the next (laughs) slide will have a funny picture, somebody eating a, uh, a carrot or something. And then you've got another, another piece of text and then another picture. And you've kind of got this little flow going. So this and then maybe at the very end of that, I'll run like a honeybee picture. Bring vegans together. You know, it's beautiful. 2018, something like that. But oh, the see. first 28 seconds of that is just general information that people could use or may enjoy seeing. And then, bam, what do you know? You've got an ad for what you're trying to promote in the end anyways. So like creating value that people would generally want to see. And then your name is attached to it. So if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of, of course sense. It, that's, that's it takes great. some creativity to do that. Um, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, so I think I, I think what you're asking me is if I network with these people and do some like funny sketches and stuff like that, and then maybe plug my own business or something. I guess them. I'm just I'm just curious. I guess I'm like brainstorming. I'm just curious if you've tried anything like that and and how you approach it. Uh, yeah. So. One of my friends, Christine Salas, she's a fitness vegan YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I didn't even ask her to do this, but it's just kind of like comes with meeting more people and having a positive imp- impact on people that kind of want to help you out. So mm-hmm. she was talking about a Tinder date in one of her videos, which was the value. Mm-hmm. And just for fun, she plugged Honeybee in the very beginning of that video. So she's basically saying, you know, hey, I, I went on this terrible date on this online dating app, Tinder. <laughs> which I'm familiar with it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are familiar with that. So they tune in, Ooh, horrible Tinder date. Let me, it's gotta be juicy. So they, and of course it was a great story, but they, they tuned in for that. And then she gave them the old sleight of hand. Hey, by the way, I've got a buddy who's created this amazing vegan and vegetarian dating app right here. Boom. Uh, maybe there's less, weirdness going on on this app than there is on Tinder, you know, See, that's what I'm talking about. That's totally organic and feels right. 
Can yep. you shoot me a link to that? I'd love to put that in the show notes for everyone yes, listening. Definitely. That sounds definitely. awesome. Um, well, we can start to wrap it up in, unless there's something else you want to talk about. Um, is there anything that you would like to specifically point people to before we say aloha? Uh, I would like people to go check out my recent partnership with, um, that I've made for honeybee with Elise of raw alignment. So she is actually one of the biggest vegan YouTubers and social media people in the world at this point. I Um, noticed, I noticed it's amazing the reach that she's having. She's a superstar. I mean, she's only going to get bigger. There's just something, you know, really special about what she has going on and people are resonating with it. A lot of vegans are resonating with it. Definitely. Definitely. And yeah, so she's going to be helping me with a lot of the social media stuff and just the general promotion. I think she's just a perfect ambassador for the app for a lot of reasons, but uh, especially she, like her relationship that she has with her partner, Addison, it's the type of culture and, and type of people that I want to attract to the app. Mm-hmm. And um, hmm. it's the app is having that effect. The vibe of the people is sort of like the the mainstream in a good way. I I use that word in a good way. The mainstream people who are vegan also, it's not maybe their whole life or you don't have to be anything specific. You don't have to be, uh, uh, an activist to be on this app or anything like that, but it's bringing in the mainstream people out there in the public that want to find a vegan or vegetarian partner. And she's also just one of the people who was strongly supportive and enthusiastic right from the get go. Uh, as soon as I started telling people about it, she wanted to get involved like right away. And I said, hang on, hang on. So <laughs> finally we've, we've made it official and she is on board with this thing. And I just think that it's going to be huge for the app moving forward and to check out her stuff too, uh, raw alignment on Instagram or YouTube. I follow her. She's, she's an inspiration. Definitely. She's so positive too. That's one of the things I love about her is she's so positive and she knows that what you focus on gets bigger. Yes. You know? And just like I said about coming to Hawaii to see if people are the real deal, to see who's really doing it, mm-hmm. she she is the real deal. Like she really practices what she preaches in her videos, mm-hmm. and uh, this just another level of impressiveness that she has. Well, I can tell even from three thousand miles away, literally, I can tell this <laughs> mm-hmm. is a real deal. So, what is the form that that takes on? Is she? I'm curious, like how how is it that going to be handled? She is actually hands-on with the uh, the social media, the Instagram account at this point. And oh, so she's helping you manage the Honeybee Instagram account? Correct. Yeah, so we've got the cool. at date Honeybee Instagram account. So Everybody should follow um, that. For sure. And she is uh, also directly promoting it from her own platforms. And kind of she's, she's segueing her audience now into I'm a ambassador for this thing and I'm working on this thing. So rather than her saying like, you know, getting paid by Pepsi or whatever to, to put a Pepsi in her stories and say, Hey, this is right. My, this is the best drink in the world. You know, this rather the than best doing sugar that, water that humankind has ever made. <laughs> yeah. It's, drink it's more this of sugar water. <laughs> yep. And, and that's the thing I, I kind of mentioned earlier is be, be willing to share a valuable piece of what you got with the people you want to help you. Mm-hmm. Because if you are creating a business and you want to, you want those partnerships to last a long time, you have to incentivize people. You have to make it worth their time as it, as, as you'd want to be mm-hmm. uh, rewarded, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is I want to create like long lasting partnerships with the people who get involved in this. And she's, she's the first of that wave that's coming in. So 
you've definitely picked a great ambassador in terms of vegan people you could pick. I mean, I'm, cu- I'm curious, <laughs> I'm curious, I'm curious though. So, so she's, she's giving you a lot of exposure. What is she, what does she get out of it? If I can ask, uh, I guess those, those talks are confidential at this point, but, um, she oh, I'll is cut this a, all out. I'm sorry. <laughs> a, <laughs> she is, uh, what I will call a co-founder of the company. I see. So she is going to be involved on the the highest levels of of everything as far as ownership goes and everything like that. So she she will have um, she'll be in it for the long haul. Let's just say that. Well, that sounds very exciting. I, I mean, I'm sure it's only going to continue to grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sure, your podcast is going to grow as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I like your style. I like your interview style. I think I think it's really good. I appreciate that, Drew. It's something that I enjoy. You know, I don't expect to make a living off of podcasting, but I I really enjoy it. And I mostly just love the social aspect to it. Mm. I think that's something that we miss on social media is the depth. It's hard to get the same level of depth. You know, some of the peak experiences of my life sounds so nerdy to say have been like <laughs> long, you know, emotionally intimate conversations. You know, these conversations yeah. that you know, what I mean, like when you know, when you have these conversations that are like it's like a five hour long conversation that yeah. changes your perspective on life, and there can be so much spiritual growth in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you can't really do. You really can't even do it on YouTube where you can have uh, like hour long videos up on YouTube now. It's mm-hmm. it's good, but there's something and I'm biased, but there's something very intimate about a podcast that's right in there, right in their mm-hmm. ears. And I'm so thankful that people listen and that mm-hmm. they get value out of this. And I'm thankful for you for joining me today. And I just feel like there's so much that you can do in audio and long form audio that you can't really do on Instagram. Instagram is really great for sharing these glimpses and getting people thinking about things, but the stories are only 15 seconds long. It's, mm-hmm. it's different. I think it's a, just a different thing. So I totally agree with that. Definitely. I think unless there's anything else that you'd like to talk about, I'm, I don't want to keep you too long. I have a reputation of interviewing people longer than we ever planned because we just get in the flow. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you. <laughs> Oh, That's man. good. Yeah. It's no, just... I'm good. I think that we covered a lot and it's, I'm very happy with, uh, with what we've talked about so far. Everybody should go to honeybeedating.com or just open the app store and look up honeybee, H-U-N-N-Y-B-E. It's a gorgeous app and you'll probably find some pretty awesome people on there if you're vegetarian or vegan. And it's rapidly growing. So you want to get in. It's like it's like uh it's like Bitcoin, but real. You want to get in yes. now. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good way to put it. And I think that's that's a good that's a good joke. Uh <laughs> and and I gotta say, this is just a small promotion here on the go, app. Go ahead. I gotta say that we have a very attractive client base as far as I mean the the people that are signing onto this thing it is it is the clientele the exact clientele that I was hoping that would it would attract mm-hmm. you know the aesthetic mm-hmm. that Honeybee gives off is bringing in that aesthetic of people and I think that that's that's okay and I think that's important. Well, I can definitely tell. Yeah, people are actually using cameras that are uh, that were made in the last ten years. Yes, that, sir. That, that is good. And yeah, I can. Yeah, th- th- these are 
these are really cool people, even around me in the middle of in the middle of Wisconsin. So that's great to hear. Most likely, the people who are listening to this have many, many, many more people who will show up around their area. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you're willing to relocate, then you can find people across the world because there is an unlimited function of it where you can see people as it doesn't matter how far they are. And if you go to the big island, your head will explode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to leave it off. Thank you so much, Drew, for joining me today and sharing this time. This has been a lot of fun. I don't think people know this was the most spontaneous interview that I've ever set up in my life. I basically was like, oh, I've got some time today. And I was kind of reaching out to you. And we just agreed to this like a few hours ago. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's the best to do things when it's fresh and mm -hmm. you can have that that uh, that energy for it. So that's what I was looking forward to. Yeah, it went great. It's it's been so much fun, and I love the spontaneity to it too. For sure. Okay, well have a have a great day, and yeah, thanks for joining me. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha. Wow. I am so thankful for everything we were able to cover in that interview. I had such a blast. I learned so much. Thank you so much, Drew, once again, for joining me on that. Um, before I go, I want to remind you that you can totally subscribe to the show. It'll be automatically delivered to your iPod or your iPhone, or your iPad or your Android or your whatever. Um, but the easiest way I found to subscribe to it is just to go to iTunes and look it up. It's really easy to find the iTunes store under the podcast section. That's just A-R-A-V-I-N-D-A show. It's really easy to find. If you like Instagram, and that's kind of where the party's happening in my opinion, I'm Hello Crusoe on there. I'm H-E-L-L-O-C-R-U-S-O-E, -L -L -E, Hello Crusoe. And I post all kinds of, you know, yummy food and adventures and stuff. But I also post new interviews when they come out, little samples of them. And that's another way to make sure you don't miss any of the interviews that are coming up. Um, also, check out Drew on there. He's really cool on there, too. Um, D-R-E-W-M-O-R-G is his username, Drew Morg. But his apps page is really what you want to check out. That's Date Honeybee, D-A-T-E-H-U-N-N-Y-B-E-E. -E -E. And he's posting these really great vegan couple stories and kind of showing them off and just the results of his app. It's really cool to see. You can also check him out at honeybeedating.com. You can get the app for free, H-U-N-N-Y-B-E-E-D-A-T-I-N-G.com. Of course, all this will be in the show notes for this episode. That's over at myth.li, M-Y-T-H.li. You can go there, click on our Venda show. It's really easy to find. You can find the show notes and all the great interviews, as well as free samples of my books, including... My upcoming book, 10,000 Hours in Paradise. It's a true story about my life-changing adventures on Hawaii. It's what I learned about community, sustainability, healing the planet. I'm so excited for it to come out. Anyway, uh, feel free to follow me at Hello Crusoe on Instagram to stay in the loop about upcoming interviews. I have so many great entrepreneurs coming up, and I can't wait to share them with you. Once again, I'm Andrew Crusoe. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Aloha.